This is Tim Dobbs coming to you live from the campus of Loyola University in downtown Chicago. The time is 8.04 and the current temperature is about 65 degrees for a pleasant evening. Now we're going to kick it right back to the Doom to Fail podcast with Tim Dobbs and Catherine Coger. Oh boy! It's the Doom to Fail podcast, and we're starting finally. My name is Tim Dobbs, and I am on top of old Meatball. Remember that one? I do remember yeah. that one, yeah. All right, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with me, as always, is a lady who fashions lamps for a living, Catherine Kogert. It's good to be here. <laughs> as always, as always. Hey, Tim. Hey, Catherine. What are we talking about today? Gosh, this, uh, Catherine, you're going to be excited because this marks the beginning of a brand new mini-series that we're going to be doing once a month. We're uh, like HBO. Yes, we are like <laughs> HBO. We are the HBO of podcasts, that's correct. <laughs> this, uh, this week we're kicking off the very exciting Unique Instruments mini-series. Well, some people play the tuba, and some people play the flute. Some people play the guitar, and some people play the lute. But to wow the ladies and the gents, you need unique instruments. Great! I'm so excited. That's uh, very Okay, so uh, you, you are sort of the key master of this podcast i was the key um, master of this yes. podcast so what, what particular subject of unique instruments will we be talking about well as the key master i have to ask you to beat a series of challenges in the form of video game levels before i can give you the key to the boss door okay now that you've done that uh, here's the key, and we're going to be talking about digital instruments. Cool. Yeah. Boss level. Digital sounds. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Hmm? What do I mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? What are you, crazy? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, I mean, pretty much any sort of instrument that's controlled by a computer and doesn't actually physically make the noise, it sends information to a computer, which then makes the noise. So... Okay, so... Yeah, which is sort of a, a weird way of thinking about music, because it's very non-traditional. Yeah, by the definition of it, um, the traditional wouldn't be able to use computers, because it would just be too old-timey. Exactly. So, before we go into all these really interesting instruments which are actually really interesting i promise so stay tuned yeah there's um, lasers <laughs> we should go over what is the sort of interface between the computer that's making the noise and the computer or whatever it is if it's not a computer that's the user is interacting with and that's called a midi controller right that's the sort of language in which they, they talk yeah yeah and it's the uh, first thing i thought of was that obnoxious like tinkly music that would pay, play in the background when you looked up lyrics to a song you know and it's just really it has no soul sure, yeah. essentially um which is the sort of thing you would see on a geocities website in 1997 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's pretty soulless. Which, I, I don't know, it's a pretty big criticism of this genre as a whole. But I like it. Yeah, no, you can you can do quite a bit with that. There's, um, I have this great sound file of a 1978 IBM computer singing a, a Bicycle Built for Two. And <laughs> man, oh man, if that doesn't just hit the spot. <laughs> oh, that's... We will be playing that later. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Um, I really hope you're not joking. Nope. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, um, what does MIDI stand for, Tim? Do you happen to know? I do. You've you've come to the right man. My computer's exploded and I've lost our notes. Oh, no. (laughs) Skype is really a good program, though, because it works even on blowed-up computers. Yeah, Skype is actually outside of the computer. I'm sorry. Go on. (laughs) MIDI, like uh, laser and scuba before it, is actually, it stands for something. Each of those letters, it's an acronym. MIDI, M-I-D-I, stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface. What a Musical Instrument Digital Interface is going to do is, so it's just going to send the information from your controller, or like, for example, traditionally like a keyboard is the most common digital instrument, but that's boring, so we're not really going to talk about it, just to your computer or whatever's hooked up to it, and... So it's just, so, just just to clarify here, you mean a computer keyboard or like a musical keyboard? Like oh, a musical keyboard. I mean. All right. I'm sorry. That was my big riddle for the week. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Good catch. But I guess yeah. in like GarageBand, you can use your keyboard. Yeah, I've never had gotten the swing of that. I'm yeah. It'd well, be kind of interesting if you could make it so that when you type words, it plays comprehensible music. That's true, but you would have to coordinate the same note happening more than once with the same letter happening more than once. Tactical All right, challenge we've got a project. to our listeners. Submit your songs, and we'll make them our little in-between songs. <laughs> it's the Doom to Fail talent show. <laughs> oh, man, that does not sound good at all. Well, you know we can't sponsor anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Damn it. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> this guy comes uh, out, I am going to <laughs> leap through this hoop of fire on this motorcycle. <laughs> it's the doomed to fail hoop of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just sitting in the audience going, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Anywho. So, MIDI controller so essentially it's just going to be a series of event notifications um it doesn't make any noise in and of itself and so <laughs> let's say i press this button here and the computer thinks i should play a b sharp press this button i am supposed to lay down the sweet cha-cha beat <laughs> So, for example, if I press a key on a piano, it immediately, the hammer hits the string, and you get a note. So, while the MIDI music has been criticized uh, um, for not having as much soul as maybe acoustic instruments, or like an electric guitar, which has so much soul. um, You don't get that warm vinyl sound. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean... The good thing about this is that you're no longer limited by the acoustics of your instrument in design, so it's really aesthetically pleasing as far as 
how the instrument looks. It can look really however you want it to, as long as it has something to interact with. Yeah, I mean, it sort of opens up this whole other range of, one, showmanship, just because it looks super cool, or maybe it's just super transportable or whatever. But then also, I mean, if you've designed your input methods right, then you can actually do things technically and play m music that you could have never played otherwise. So, a lot of, a lot of things opening up here. <laughs> Alrighty, cool. <laughs> hey! It's the Doom to Fail podcast. We're going to be right back and right on track with our first unique instrument that plays digital sounds in just a moment. the Doom to Fail podcast. Uh, Catherine, we were about to get into some specific, pretty cool digital sounds instruments. And uh, I think the first one we want to talk about was the theremin. That is what we wanted to talk about. You can go ahead. That is a really good theremin impression. I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I it, It's just whistling, but, you know, whatever. So, for <laughs> those of you who haven't heard the theremin, uh, here it is. So, um, yeah, it's that sort of, you know, UFO sound, uh, sort of X-Files-y thing. You know what I'm talking about, I hope? Well, they don't, I don't think there's a theremin in the X-Files soundtrack. You don't think so? I don't, no, I don't think so. Hmm, yeah, you're right, but maybe like... It's definitely like a keyboard. <laughs> well, no, it goes to the... There's nothing theremin about it. Oh, that might be Yeah, or, or it just could be the high notes on the piano. I'm not positive. But it seems like they must have put a theremin at some point, right? Just, 
Yeah, for credibility's yeah. sake. Am I wrong? We'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Drop us a line at doomed to fail podcast at gmail.com. That's doomed to fail. Just the words oh, all together I... without spaces or anything. Sorry. Well, we don't use it. What? It's just doomed to fail. Isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I remember I specifically didn't put a two in it because I didn't want people to get confused. Yeah, I thought you did it first, and I was like, great, now I get to go doomed, the number two, then fail. It would, See, look at me, I'm thinking Yeah, you're, you're, you're very good. You're, you're a quality Thank producer you. showrunner type. Oh, uh, let's just go with co-host. I don't want that much pressure. <laughs> executive producer... Venture capitalist. You're you're funding all of this, right? So far. <laughs> <laughs> all zero dollars. Yeah, we're in it for equal I, I was the one I bought equipment for it, so yes. Yeah, pretty cool. Equipment in the form of a shitty microphone. Um yeah, so it's that sort of noise, right? It's uh spooky. Um but the, the, there's spooky. more to it that's particularly interesting besides the uh, spookiness. And then that's that. It's actually played without touching it. Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's. Is it the only instrument that you don't really touch? Uh, I believe it is. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, the next one. No, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Further, we'll find out. Yeah. You decide. <laughs> Listener's decision. Great. We're not gonna. <laughs> you do the research. So. Relating this back to a future podcast, the interesting thing about this is the Slinky, which we talked about last time, um, was a product of World War One. Guy researching World War One stuff mm -hmm. in submarines. Yep. Um, this is also a product of World War One. Yep. Yeah. Hence the you know everything fits into the doomed to fail bit there because we all know war is doomed to fail, people. Yeah, nothing good ever happens from yeah. war. What is it good for? Do it. Absolutely nothing. Say it again. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, man, I'm a cliche. Oh, All right. <laughs> um, however, while the Slinky was an American... Pro pro what is it? Invention? Product? What are you... <laughs> invention slash product of World War I. Um, the theremin was a Soviet one. Sure. <laughs> okay, but but so yeah, it, it was coming from you know the other side of the world, a little bit of east, east, west, and it was uh, actually invented specifically by a young man by the name of Leon Theremin. In, are you kidding me? 1928. <laughs> that was yeah. ten years after the war ended. Okay, so here's the story. He's doing research for World War One stuff, and he's like, because he did this research for World War One, he got really into magnets. How do they work? And figured out how to make this. So it was really a product of all of his research from World War One. <laughs> magnets, and really. That was when the patent was, and so he was playing with sounds and stuff. I see. It was actually, um, what was it? Oh yeah, because he was researching proximity centers sensors not sensor centers so he's researching proximity sensors and um so because it's like a proximity based instrument because you don't actually touch it it came out of his research of proximity sensors 
Ah, exactly. yeah, that makes sense. And so, and so this this actually does relate back into what we talked about earlier. The when we were trying to be very clear that the MIDI is what generates this computer is what makes a sound as it's told through this sort of uh, the MIDI um, interface. And so, really, because he had developed a way for something to give a sense of proximity and then translate that to an electronic signal, that's all you need. Once you've gotten this, you can start to work on your digital instrument because you just need a way to translate something physical into a digital signal. So it would have been pretty simple to just plug it, plug that into a MIDI and uh, turn that into noise. Oh, yeah. Easiest part. Yeah. Or a proximity sensor. Either or, really. So it's kind of hard. Except it would have been like a proximity sensor of like a foot. <laughs> Which I don't know how useful that is. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, by that point, you kind of know where they are. I'm just saying. Maybe like a jewel thief thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead. He's trying to steal the famous theremin. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts going <laughs> like someone's trying to steal the theremin. <laughs> That's perfect. This is great. Hard to steal a theremin. It's true. That's what they say. Basically, it's a little box, like actually really pretty small, like maybe just sort of like a hardcover book size or even smaller. Um, I don't know. Maybe they can make them even smaller than that. But all the pictures that I've seen have it about that size. And it has two antennas that come out at right angles. And just, you know, antennas. A metal pole, really. Um, and uh, what the way it works is you kind of stick your hands inside of the little square that the antennas make. And you use one hand to control the pitch. So, you know, as you're going, let's say... Right hand. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Traditionally, the right hand. Um <laughs> As you get closer to it, I'm not sure if that's how they do it, but as you get closer to it, it gets uh, higher in pitch, and as you pull away, it gets lower in pitch. And then your left hand, you're going to move that closer and farther from the other antenna, and that's going to make it louder and quieter. And that's exactly. kind of it. I've never seen someone playing it. I bet we're, we're going to go ahead and find a YouTube video of that and post it as well, and you'll get to see Definitely. it. Definitely. Uh, so that you don't have to look it up. Yes. Doing the research for you. <laughs> Um, I also want to point out that the theremin has a selection of really wonderful names um, that it's also known as. For example, the thereminophone, mm -hmm. the thereminovox, and the etherophone, or is it etherophone? I like etherophone. I really think that's the, uh, that's pretty great. I mean, it's Russian anyway, so who cares how I pronounce it? <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Russian as a language, but like, honestly, do I have a prayer? No. Okay, there, nothing against Russian as a language, but the Russian people, oof. <laughs> I'm Russian. Are you? Sort of. I'm Eastern European. I see. So, like, I was Russian at some point. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and sidestep that particular tangent I was gonna go on. Thank you. But yeah, All the right. Etherophone is clearly the best of those names, right? Or am I crazy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Theraminophone, close second. Because it's just like, why don't we just add a phone on the end? <laughs> should add that on everything. Um. A phone where you can control the pitch and volume of the conversation. <laughs> Actually, you, you can't do great. that. Watch. Hey, Catherine. See, it worked. Hey, it's the Doom to Fail podcast, and I think we're going to be right back and right on track when we come back.
Hey, we're back. And we're going to jump right into the next instrument because we have a whole smorgasbord of instruments for you this time. Isn't that right? Well, we could just do the one. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to stop at theremin? No, no, no. The next instrument. We don't have to do the third one. Oh, okay. I see. Well, two is pretty good. Okay. Well, we'll see how quickly we go. All right. Well, Catherine, why don't you show the audience what they've won, which is... Well, audience, you've won a brand new laser harp. No, I mean, they get, to, they get to listen to a new laser. Well, oh. a, a, a radio piece about a laser harp. Well, then harp. why'd you it's... ask me to show the audience what they'd won, Tim? That's just downright confusing. <laughs> That's called metaphorical language. Use it here in radio, okay? Mm, your synesthesia does not convince me. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be great? I'd be so <laughs> much more into radio. <laughs> It'd be harder to listen to it at work, though. That's true. <laughs> So, speaking of sounds and lights, how about this laser harp? Oh my goodness, it's so cool. Okay, so there's two types of laser harps. There's the closed harp, which is much easier to visualize, because it's essentially like a like a harp without strings, but there's lasers where the strings should be, and you pretty much just play it like a normal harp, harp except you just pretend the strings are there, sort of, and so you can like make a string shorter by pinching it and then plucking it to make the pitch higher. And so on, you know. That's pretty crazy. And that yeah. actually, that's how you play a real harp too, though? You pinch the string to play a lower... Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, you could get chords that way. And stuff. I mean, because it's huh. sort of awkward to play, like, two strings that are really far apart, right? Yeah, I guess I've never watched someone actually play a real harp I don't know either. if you pinch it, though, but you, you definitely, like, will put your finger there, like, on it to, like, I don't know. I you don't probably know. generate a harmonic. I bet that's what it is. Oh, yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah, I have a harp playing friend. I, I, we, I should ask her. Yeah, we should. Corrections. That'll be in the Um. So the other type of harp is called a an open harp, and that's different from a closed harp in that it's not like doesn't look like a harp anymore. So what it is is you have one main laser that's like split into ten different lasers that are kind of fanning out into like an upside down triangle. Um. Mm -hmm. So. It's sort of so you have one laser split into ten different lasers, and it's split by like a galvanometer mirror. And I don't really know what that is. Um, if you want to know more about the science of the laser harp, you can look up Stephen Hob. I think it's Hobley. He's an English person, so I think he has a very cute last name, as the English are wont to do. Um, good, good blanket statement. <laughs> the English have cute things. I think. <laughs> I'm not saying that okay, condescendingly. Yeah. I'm saying that as someone who appreciates cute things. So, it fans out, and so the artist will just put his palm. It's, like, right in front of you, so it's, like, life-size, essentially. These lasers, they'll just go up to the ceiling, and you put your palm out in front of you to block one of the lasers, and you can move it closer to the base or further away towards the ceiling to um, sort of make the pitch higher or lower. Not, not unlike the theremin, actually, although it uses completely different science. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like I said, if you want to know more about the science, Stephen Hobley has a couple YouTube videos that I'm sure we'll post on the website. And uh, right now he's working, what was he working on? He's working on a second generation of the laser harp with Lightwear International, so he can't really sell plans to anybody. But still really cool and he has some youtube videos and if you're really really smart you might be able to figure it out um smarter than me and i'm not very smart so good luck 
Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so that's my description of the open laser heart. Um, Which sounds pretty cool. It sounds uh, very futuristic. You know, it's the sort of thing you'd see in, I don't know, maybe one of the prequels to the Star Wars films. Yeah. But not really like, uh, it's nothing really like the theremin. It doesn't have that creepy UFO sound to it. Well, so that's interesting, though, because I thought that it all went to a computer, and the computer got to decide what noise it made. But then you can tell the computer how to make that noise. Exactly. So it could make the theremin sound, although it would be harder to generate that. I don't because... think you can control the volume as easily, and I think that's a big component of the theremin. Yeah, exactly. So so we've learned that the even though the sounds are all the same, and sort of theoretically the timbre can be all the same, uh, you can still make unique sounds with unique yeah. instruments this way. With unique instruments. <laughs> Name um, check. <laughs> um, but I'm. it's a different interface, right? So you're going to be interacting with the music differently, and I think it makes sense that you would make different noise that way. Right. So, the, I mean, this is the key to the whole digital thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's all about instead of playing with the sort of noise you can get, you play with the sort of interactions, and that will help you generate. So it's, it's more like just uh, reverse engineering how the human body wants to make noise and then figuring that out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For instance, you know what else used the mini controller? And I mentioned this last time. But the Tell giant me. floor keyboard in Big, where they danced on it? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's an excellent example of the interaction that, that can be controlled by a mini controller. Yeah, but that would be pretty hard to make a theremin noise on, even though theoretically you kind of could. But you I mean, can't maybe. do that smooth transition from pitches. Yeah, yeah this is true. And with the harp, though, you can theoretically do, like, transitions with pitches as you move your hand up and down. Like, there's still nine other strings for you to be interacting with, so you're less Not likely to there. want to just make that noise. And there's only so much of a range on each string, limited by your arm length, which in my case is very short. Yeah. No, T-Rexes. Not a good, not a good <laughs> instrument for T-Rexes. They need a whole nother set of interactions. With their yeah, exactly, because you have to work with the T-Rex body. What sort of noise do they want to make? Interesting. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, is anyone actually playing these things? I mean, so it's the theremin, I know, you know, especially when they want like a UFO sound or something, they bring someone in to play it, and I know people just play it because, honestly, I want to play it. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun. But, um, um, yeah, well, I mean... It's a, it takes a lot less to master one of these laser harps, especially like an open one, because you can just stand in front of it and move your hands around and, oopsie, and there it's making noises, right? And so right. it ends up getting used in lots of different genres, from techno to, like, hip-hop, which <laughs> aren't tons of genres, but still, it's, it's a range, right? <laughs> from techno to electronica, the laser harp covers the full gambit. You know what, it seems like the sort of thing that would be in, like, a toy store, and you would always want to play with it as a kid, or, or like, a children's museum. Yeah, and, uh, totally. But, but you would never be able to convince your parents to buy it. They're really expensive, or at least the laser is really expensive. The rest of it's fairly cheap. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Unfortunately, I don't have a strong enough laser. Yeah, oh, that's another interesting thing. If you put... Because the laser is so strong, because you need a really strong laser to split into ten different lasers, and you can still see them and get good interaction, the laser has to be so strong that if you put your hand over one beam for too long and you don't wear gloves, and you're using a particular type of laser, then it can, like, leave a mark on your hand because it's so strong. Like a burn? 
kind of like a burn, yeah. Um, but as far as other people using the laser harp, there is Little Boots, who I guess is sort of an indie kind of band, and there's Peaches, which is which is obviously hip hop. Um, and as far as electronic goes, there's the guy who's most famous for playing the laser harp, Jean-Michel Jarre, um, French guy, obviously, and he debuted the laser harp in the 80s. And he sounds like this. boring actually in my opinion but you know whatever. <laughs> well i guess i mean yeah if, if you're doing it live i feel like you get a lot of cachet just because you're bringing out a cool laser harp and it doesn't really matter if the music's that good <laughs> oh but kesha is good what when did kesha get a laser harp i hope she does oh my god i'd love her so much more oh once again apropos of kesha it's the doom to fail podcast. And we'll be right back. Hey, it's the Doom to Fail podcast, uh, and we are going to forego Tiny Talk because we talked quite largely about unique instruments this week. But uh, in lieu of Tiny Talk, we are going to throw in the teensiest, tiniest micro talk, which is a statement from each of us with no conversation afterwards. Catherine! I'm better than Tim in every way. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry, we shouldn't have talked about it not allowed to talk about it what's your statement i don't care i like google plus it's better than facebook oh it's supposed to be a real statement my bad you can say whatever you like no no more talking about it i stand it. by that's the show for this week we were doomed to fail and we avoided it one more week Thanks. uh come tune in next week and we will be bringing back this is the first loop very exciting for us we'll be bringing back the ancient robots miniseries excited Good. Until next week, uh, we've got Catherine Cogart over there. And Tim Dobbs over here. At the Doom to Fail podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 This week's episode of the Doom to Fail podcast was accompanied by our musical talent, Johnny Giuliano. Discover more episodes of the Doom to Fail podcast at doomtofailpodcast.blogspot.com or email us at doomtofailpodcast at gmail.com.